0: To end the word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. gone through Galatians chapter 1 we've talked quite extensively about why this letter was written who wrote it who he wrote it to and why he had to write it very quickly and I have to do this very quickly in order to get through the rest of the passage but the reason for Paul's writing this this letter to the various churches in the area in the region of Galatia there were uh, no less than four churches that had been started there by Paul and Barnabas, when they went out on their missionary journeys, and Paul is going back and he's developing these churches, he's getting together, he's he's gathering together with these saints, and they continue to grow. He shared with them the gospel. What does gospel mean? We know that, right? What does gospel mean? Good news. Good news it requires, you know, when, when we say good news, how can news be good unless we also understand that there is news that can be bad? That's right, Matt. That, that there's good news that can be bad. So you can't have good news and not have bad news. There's no such thing as good news if there's no other news, you know. There's, if, if there has to be something, you can't call something good if there isn't also something that could be bad. It's the, the 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 mindset of I was presented this this last week with you know the question of you know why you know sin in the garden you know sin and 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 the tree in the garden you know who created sin and and uh, you know my my answer was you know God didn't create sin he created the capacity for man to choose he didn't create man to sin he created man to to, to choose. And quite possibly, it's the greatest gift that, he, that he's given to man. One of, the, one of the greatest gifts. The greatest gift is salvation. But running a very, very close second, is God giving you and I the ability to choose? Yeah, the question is, at times, people say, well, why, if God, if, if God never would have planted that, that tree in the Garden of Eden for Adam and Eve to eat... they never would have sinned. Why would God plant a tree of knowledge of good and evil there in the Garden of Eden if he didn't want them to sin? I mean, isn't there some culpability on God? No. No. That was God giving man the ability to choose. My question or my answer to this uh, gentleman that asked me, this young gentleman that asked me this this week, was this. If God wouldn't have given us the capacity to choose, we would simply be robots. There would be no choice. You would have to watch. You'd have to walk with Him. You'd have to choose Him. Because there is no other choice. You'd have to go to heaven because there is no other choice. You'd have to accept the news. You know, you'd have to accept Him because there's no other choice. That God gave you the ability... To choose and me and the ability to choose and all the world to choose. The ability to choose is is truly an act of love that he says, I love you and want you to be with me, and you'll never have a want, you'll never have a need, as he said with Adam. But I mean I've given you this whole garden you can be here forever. <laughs> I mean, this is going to be a glorious place for you. You'll never have a want or a need ever. But should you not desire me? Should you desire not to do it my way? Should you, cho- should you want to choose to remove yourself from me? Because I'm never going to force you to be, a, to be a believer. I'm never going to force you to fellowship with me. I'm never going to force That's not love. Love is not forcing. You know, my son, when he was growing up, I didn't say to him, Nathan, come over here. Come over here right now. Get over here right now and tell me you love me and that I am the most awesome dad in the whole wide world. Now, I may have done that tongue in cheek. (laughs) <laughs> and I will stand guilty, you know, and say guilty. I probably said that a bunch of times. Get over here and tell me that I'm the greatest dad in the world. Oh, dad, knock it off, you know. And, and it was always in, in, in fun. But if I was serious, get over here right now, and my son comes over trembling with tears in his eyes. Tell me I'm the best dad in the whole wide world. You're the best dad in the whole wide world. I, he has no choice. Why? He's He's fearful of retribution, he's fearful of of me coming down on him if I don't. He has no choice. I'm forcing him to do that. How warm does that make me feel? It doesn't make me feel warm at all. And for those who, who, we have movies out like that, you know, where somebody is so demanding people to like them, but all of the people that they demand to like them and say nice things are usually in a dungeon. And, and and in order to, to get their food or in order to have, you know, to, to not endure some sort of incredible punishment, they'd have to say something nice to that person. And the, the guy's a wacko. The guy's psychotic. And in the end of the movie, you usually find out that this guy gets busted and you go, hoo, hoo, good. Because that's a guy's a psycho. God's not psycho. God is not He's not that. He's not forcing you and I to love Him. And so He plants a tree in the garden and says, listen, I've given you everything. You'll never have a want or a need ever again. But should you choose to not want to do it my way, I've given you an out. And so here's a tree here. Don't eat of that tree. That's the one tree I don't want you to eat of. On the day that you eat of that tree, you will surely die. If you choose against me, well, you've made your choice. I, I, don't want, I don't want you to make that choice, but I've given you the ability to make that choice. I'm giving you responsibility. I'm giving you the opportunity to love me simply because you love me. And, and those of you parents, and those of you that maybe are an adult right now where you had a falling out with your parents... Maybe you're a parent here and you've had a falling out with your child and you haven't seen each other for a while and, 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 and you had a problem in your, in, your, in your family relationship. Wasn't it difficult when you walked away or when that child walked away from you and you could do nothing because they were old enough? They could walk away. They don't have to pick up the phone and call you. They don't have to answer the phone when you do call They're exercising their choice. Doesn't it hurt when they don't answer your phone? Doesn't it hurt when they want to walk out and you say, please don't walk out. I love you. Let me ask you, when they're walking out because they are choosing to walk away from you for whatever reason, I don't know what the reason is, but they're walking away from you. How well would it work if you said to them, get back over here right now and you get back in this house and you love me. That's not going to work, is it? It's just not going to work. All that that's going to do is drive even a deeper wedge between you and that person. God in His infinite love, God in His undying love for us gave us a choice. To either follow Him or or to reject Him. And, and, And so... What does all of this have to do with any of this? The gospel is the good news. The good news is that God, from that point on, when Adam and Eve ate of that tree, right? They did surely die. Maybe not a physical death, but they died a spiritual death. And and there became a separation between they and God. Their eyes were opened. They begin to see things that were evil. They begin to see and feel shame for the very first time in their life. Shame is a part of sin. They brought the sin upon themselves. They chose for themselves their consequence. God didn't choose that for them. God gave them the capacity and the opportunity to do it, but God didn't force them that way. In fact, God asked them not to go down that road. Now now here, here's the point. God gave them the capacity to choose so they can choose God or they can choose sin. They can choose the world. And the idea behind that is an act of love. You know, uh, there was a, a, a time in, in my life back when I was in like ninth grade. There was a girl that I really, 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 really liked. I'd do anything for her. Just so happened that my friend Tim Scott he liked her too, and he'd do anything that she wanted because she liked it, he liked her too. The problem was is that Becky here's what's funny I get my messages I have people from Redlands, hi guys that listen from my hometown that listen to my messages, and so hey guys. Um, uh, <laughs> here's the thing. I always got to be careful using names, but but here here's here's it, Becky. You'd remember this, right? Um, I liked her. Tim liked her. We were head over heels over this girl. The problem was, is that she liked both of us. And so Tim and I, who were good friends at the time, <laughs> we're competing for her love. We're competing for her. Her affection and, and it came to me one day that I am so tired of this. <laughs> I am so sick and tired of this. I told my friend who I grew up with, her name is Shannon. Shannon, go and tell Becky I'm out of this game. I don't want to play this game anymore. Tell her to, to, to go with him. Tell her to go and be girlfriend, boyfriend with Tim. As much as it's going to hurt my heart, you know what? I don't want to be in this game. Shannon went away. Came back a little bit. It was at a Redlands High School football game. I remember it specifically. (laughs) Shannon came back to me and she goes, don't do that. Becky said she doesn't like Tim. (laughs) 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 And Becky became my girlfriend for a while. Here's the thing. It's so funny. Hey, here's the thing. Here's the thing. She had the opportunity to choose. She had an opportunity to choose. When you, when I took one of those choices away from her, she's going, "Wait, oh, wait, 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 wait! Time out, time out." The choice came away. The choice came away, and she didn't have the choice anymore. I removed the choice away from her. Now she only had one choice. Well, actually, two, because she could have said, I don't want Tim either. The thing is, is that she exercised a second choice. The idea behind all of this, guys, is, is that the good news of God is his son, Jesus Christ, given, sacrificed, and resurrected for us in our sin. All mankind was going to hell. That's the bad news. It all started in the, in the garden with Adam and Eve. Thanks, Grandma and Grandpa. Great, great. To the 500th power, you know. But they did it. And, and, and lest we ever get mad at them, we would have done the same thing. We really would have. The thing is, when they chose the wrong road, we, from that point on, are suffering the consequences from it. God in his infinite mercy and love towards us, here's what he did. He sent his son as a gift for us. He gave us a choice. He sent a, his son to die in our place, to take our place, to, to die in our stead, to, to suffer the wrath of God for our sin upon a cross. And when he rose again, it became the good news. Because it now gave you and I the opportunity to have peace with God once again. Unknown to man since the Garden of Eden, when Jesus rose from the dead. And and so, all of a sudden, all of us being born into this world, being born into bad news... You are separated from God. You are going to be separated from him for all eternity. All of a sudden, the moment that Jesus rose from the grave, another choice came, another opportunity came, another road came. Some more news came. Bad news turned into a choice between bad news and good news. And so that was the, the, the message of the good news that was going around. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. There is no other answer to any other life questions. It's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And if you really think about that, long and hard, and you consider every problem in in the earth as it pertains to man, and especially God, the answer, Jesus Christ and Him crucified, answers the questions. It's a reason why, why God even claims His name To be Yahweh, I am. What's the answer to all life's problems? I mean, are you strong enough to handle things? I am. Are you able to? I am. Well, wait a minute. Who can do I am? (laughs) What can... God is I am. Jesus is the answer. What more do we need? We need nothing. God, the great I Am. Jesus, the answer. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We have it all. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. The great I Am sent His Son for you and I to die on a cross for us that we would not endure the penalty of the consequence of the sin of of our ancestors, Adam and Eve. So that we can have eternal life. That's good news. The bad news is that Prior to Jesus, we were destined for hell. Once Jesus came, we're all still destined to hell unless we receive the good news, the gospel. I know I spend a lot of time on the gospel. And you know why? And I, I know that most of you understand the gospel, but I'm not confident in our day and age, in our society, that people really understand the gospel anymore. I'm I'm not in the capacity. Oh, a lot of people say, oh, believe in Jesus. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. I believe in God. James tells us, hey, you believe that God is one, you do well. But hey, guess what? The demons also believe and they shudder. Th- that's, that's maybe the difference between a lot of people. Well, I know that God exists. Do you shudder? No. He's a God of love. Yeah, but what about a son? What about a son? There's, 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 there's a lot of thought that's in our society. There's a lot of thought that is in this world that, hey, I'm going to say a prayer and then I'm going to live any old way I want to live for the rest of my life. That's not true. There, there's, Jesus is in an insurance policy. Jesus isn't something that you call up State Farm and say, hey, I want this eternal salvation. Okay, I got that. I don't have to think about it anymore. I'm just going to tuck it in a drawer, and if my house ever burns down, I'll call State Farm and they'll take care of it. But that's how many people who say that they're Christians, they, how they represent themselves in this day and age, that that Jesus is just tucked in a file, safe and sound somewhere, that should they ever need him one day, they'll go to that and say, hey, you know what, I remember there was a day that I did this and did this." But there's no evidence in their life that they're a Christian. There should be evidence in our life that we've become Christians. You've heard me talk about it before, you know. Somebody says, well, I'm a police officer. Show me your badge. I don't have one. Oh, I, well, I have one, but it's back in my drawer at home. Well, where do you work? Well, I don't ever go to work. Do you, you have you arrested anybody? Nah, never arrested anybody. Um, have you ever gone to court? No. Oh yeah, yeah, he's a you know, sergeant or captain or whatever, you know. You ever see him? I talked to him one time. Uh, do you carry a gun?" Oh, I have one, but it's back at the house. I never take that thing out either. So wait a minute, you say you're a cop, but you do nothing? You do nothing, you look nothing, you act like you don't act like a cop, you don't look like a cop, you don't smell like a cop, you don't do anything that a cop does, and yet you claim you're a cop. I'd venture to say that guy's probably not a cop. He talked to a sergeant once. Do you think he's still employed? Do you think a cop speaks to a sergeant once or speaks to his, his superior one time and then never speaks to him ever again? Here's the thing. A Christian should be somebody who has a relationship. And and I, I encourage you guys to get in the Word, to pray, to seek God's face. Because that's the gift that God gave to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. It's a relationship. That's the good news. We can have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ and escape The agony of hell, the punishment of our sin because of everything that Jesus Christ did for us. It's Jesus Christ, Him crucified. There are those that came in and said, No, wait a minute. No, no, no. You don't have to. It's not just Jesus, it's something else. You see, for us, we can say we can add a bunch of different things. No, you've got to go to church. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. And listen, I'm not saying you have to go to church and be a Christian, but I think it's kind of weird if you don't go to church and you're a Christian. I, I, I do. You're saying I have to be baptized. No, I'm not saying you have to be baptized to be saved, but I think it's kind of weird if you're not baptized. Jesus said to be baptized. Why would you not want to be baptized? Do you not want to identify with Christ? It just doesn't make any sense to me. It's not a salvation issue. It's a weird issue. I'm married to Lynette. Oh, I never go home. Never kiss her. Never say I love her. I'm never there. This is not a personal story. I'm not. That's not true. <laughs> hey, listen. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> yeah. um, it, Here's the thing, if, if, I, if I'm never around my wife, if I don't live with her, if I don't have any kind of a relationship with her, am I really married? Oh, maybe a piece of paper says I am. Maybe in the court of this law, of this land, but what about the law of God's land? Eh, it's much different. And I thank God for that, by the way. But here's the thing. Anything added to Jesus Christ is wrong. But that's what was happening here. Jesus plus the law. Jesus plus doing what the high priest says. Jesus plus continuing to maintain your Jewishness. You see, they were just dealing with different things then. But Paul saying, no, 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 no. Listen. You don't understand? Come on. You guys understood in the beginning that it was Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You understood that Jesus Christ died for you on a cross. And that's all that needed to be understood. Jesus Christ died for you in your sin. And you were saved between you and God. The good news is that you were going to hell prior to this. And now you're going to heaven because you have taken that gift. You've received that gift that God has offered to you personally. And you have appropriated it to yourself. God has appropriated it to you. You have come into an agreement. You have received the gift. There has been a transaction that has taken place. Spiritual transaction of God giving and you receiving. And the moment that you add anything to it, you cheapen and you remove the true gift. It's not Jesus Christ plus anything. For in so doing, you're treading the blood of Jesus Christ underfoot, the blood that he shed on the cross. You are effectively saying, your blood was not enough. Your blood was not enough to save a soul. Your blood plus that Plus that, plus that, equals salvation. And I will say that's blasphemous. I will say that that's heresy. And that's what Paul was dealing with. He's going, guys, you have the good news. I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, to a different good news. That's not good news at all. That's what he says, it's, it's not another gospel. But there are some, verse 7, who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. They're coming in here, they're robbing you, do you not see that? But even if we, and look at what Paul does here, this is something pretty interesting. He calls himself out. Be quick and to, earn, to learn what I'm saying here, what Paul is saying here, not what I'm saying, but what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying, be quick to call yourself out. Hold yourself under the same uh, criteria as anyone else. Okay? Paul says, if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed or let him be anathema. So Paul says, I'm placing myself under the same criteria, the same condemnation. If I come back in two or three years and say... Oh, hey! By the way, it's Jesus Christ and Him crucified, plus something, plus my book. I put out a book, and it's it's understanding Christ. And so it's you, or it's Jesus Christ and Him crucified, plus my brand new published book that you can get for nineteen ninety five. Then you can be saved. Paul says, if I ever come back and ever do anything of that manner, know this let me be anathemaed. Anathema literally means, let me be damned to the lowest form of hell. He says, as I have said before, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone, so he reiterates it, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. You know what Paul is holding and standing so strong upon the good news of Jesus Christ and him crucified. Gang, do not ever, ever, ever come off that stake. Do not ever, ever, ever come off that terra firma at the base of the cross. That is it. Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's why Paul talks about it in Second Corinthians chapter two, doesn't he? Paul comes in, he's talking to the Corinthians. He comes in, he says, Listen, I can come in here and talk about all these different gods that you have hanging around around by Morris Hill. I can come in here and talk about all of this, this, this uh, discussion that can happen up on the Areopagus where all the great thinkers are coming in. I can come and talk to you and, and converse with you about all of these things. But when I came to you, I didn't come with excellency of wisdom. I didn't come with all of these other you know, uh, uh, anchors with me. When I came to you, I determined not to know anything among you except this one thing Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's it. That's the answer. Guys, let's not make Christianity more difficult than what it is. It's not difficult, it's very simple. It's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And when anybody comes in and says, oh, you need this book. Oh, you need to go to that church. Oh, you need to be here. Oh, you need to go to that location. You need to, oh, wow, there's, a, there's a, a move going on. You need to go to Pensacola. Stop it. You don't have to go anywhere. You have got in your hands, in my hands, the word of God. We have in our hearts Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's it. We need nothing more. But now a relationship buds. A relationship blossoms when we follow Him, when we love Him, when we walk with Him on a day-by-day basis, when we seek His face, when we ask the Holy Spirit given to us through Jesus. Jesus said, listen, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper, the Comforter, the Paracletos will not come to you, but if I do go away, I will send Him to you and He's with you right now, but he will be in you. He will lead you and he'll guide you and he'll tell of things. He'll speak of me. He'll guide you into all truth. Go back and look it up. John chapter 8. I don't have time to do it right now, but here's the thing. Jesus, he's talking about the Holy Spirit coming to lead and guide us. And as we develop a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit, we seek God's face. God, tell me which way to go. God, please, show me the way. Show me in your word. One of the things for the guys, that's what we're trying to get to on a Tuesday night. Where you open up the Bible and you just say, God, I I just read 30 verses. I don't even understand a word I just wrote. I I read them quick. I'm going to mark that checkbox that I got that done. Have you been challenged or changed? Did God speak to you in that passage? Is there something in there that God was speaking to you? I just don't see how you can see anything in there. Oh, it's there. I'm just hoping to to help you open that up and, and ask the questions. Ask the questions as you dig in and you look at Scripture. Observe it. Interpret. What does it mean? Let the Bible interpret the Bible. Now apply it. How do I apply it? My goodness, now that I've kind of blown it up and seen what it's saying, man, this thing just doesn't end on what it's saying to me. And all of a sudden you begin to see how God can move in and through your life. That's good news, gang. Don't you want to know the direction to go in life? Don't you want to know answers? Don't you want to know wisdom? Don't you want to know discernment? Don't you want to know direction? This is what God is promising us if we're in his word. But we are like blind men walking through a dark cave. I remember back when I was going to Northern Arizona University, we had this volcanic tunnel that was there. It, was, it went back into the hill like a mile long. Huge, gigantic tunnel. And it was in Flagstaff, Arizona. And, and we uh, and a bunch of my buddies, we'd go and we'd crawl down in this hole and go down inside this and we'd go and explore back in this cave, you know. And it would break off in one place, I believe. There wasn't more than one place that broke off, so you couldn't really get lost. But you'd go down there with flashlights because, man, you'd get in there and you'd get in just a little ways and you'd go, okay, everybody turn off your lights. Guess what? It's dark. And you get underground and there's no light source whatsoever, it's dark. You can do this, can't see anything. It's in pure pitch darkness. The only way to see is if somebody turns a light on. God's word is a light unto our feet, a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. His word is who shows us and how, it, how he shows and guides and leads us. Don't you want that? And Paul's going, these guys are ripping you off. Anybody that comes in and adds to Jesus anything, they're ripping you off. You're being ripped off. Don't get ripped off. That's such a, a lie from the pit of hell. It's a, it's, it's a lie from Satan in order to get you and me and us to chase after false doctrine. False doctrine. And so Paul is so angry with this, he says, listen, anybody that comes in, I'm going to ask God that they just curse them to the lowest hell. Paul didn't mix words. Paul would sometimes say some pretty ugly things, pretty tough things. He says, am I persuading God Verse 10, do I I now persuade men or God? Do you think Paul's ever trying to persuade God to his own way of thinking? Know this, Paul's saying, no, I will never persuade God into my way of thinking. My way needs to be conformed into his. Do I persuade men? Oh, if I could persuade men. It's not you or i that do the work. Here's one of the uh, one of the, the biggest hopefully to you it's it's something that becomes a, a huge spiritual relief to you and i. When Jesus says to go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the son and the of the father, son and the holy spirit. Lo i'm with you always even to the end of the age. Know this. We go into the world to make disciples, but we don't do the making. He's the one that does the making. We just go in and present the truth. We go in and present Jesus. We go in and present Jesus Christ and crucified. We allow the Holy Spirit to do the work to do the making. You and I are powerless. I can't make somebody love God. I can't make somebody be saved. All I can do is spread a good news. That's what you and I can do. I don't have to make someone change. And so, gang, your, your efforts that you say, I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm witnessing to this person at work, or I'm witnessing to my family member, I'm witnessing to my loved one, and they're not responding, I'm a, such a failure. You're not a failure whatsoever. Your job is simply to present. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convert. I don't do the converting. I just do the, the talking. You kidding. Know, no kidding. I don't persuade men and I don't persuade God. If I could persuade men into the kingdom, they can be persuaded out, right? Do I seek to please men? I'm not a man pleaser, Paul says. For if I still please men, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel... We're going to go quick on this. The gospel which was preached by me is not according to man... For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard, you know who I am. You've heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to... If there ever was an enemy of the church, it was Saul, was it not? He's saying I was an enemy, but I I was introduced to Jesus Christ and Him crucified and my life changed. And if if he can do that for me, he can do that for anyone. That's what Paul's talking about here. I persecuted the church of God beyond measure, and I even tried to destroy it. And you all know, I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my father's. Now I've done a character life study in or, or, a character study in the life of, of Paul, uh, and I've taught a few different classes on Paul's life. Do you know that there was a thought back in the day that Paul, in the apostolic day, the day that Paul was living, that a Jew, a religious Jew, believed one of the Sanhedrin, one of the Pharisees, believed that if they actually could live perfectly before God for one 24-hour period, it would force God to send his Messiah down upon the earth. And the the evidence that the Messiah was not on the earth was a proof text that in Judaism, nobody had yet attained that perfection. And Paul, that gives you an understanding behind why Paul had such a passion for, as a Judaizer, to destroy the Christians, because they're they're saying that God became a man. How weak! That he succumbed. That that he 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 uh, uh, placed himself at the at the hands of man, and man killed God. Come on, as blasphemous, and that makes me so angry that I know I'm going to do God a favor, and I'm going to go and kill y'all. I'm going to kill every single last one of you Christians. And and he was on his way to Damascus, wasn't he? When God knocked him off his high horse and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Lord, who are you? I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Isn't it hard for you to do what you're doing? You're kicking against the goads and you don't understand why you aren't getting any fulfillment, aren't you? You're doing such a job for... For what you think is pleasing to me, you've watched my servant Stephen die. You gave him the authority to stone him. Now this isn't a conversation, but this is what happened in Saul's life. This isn't a part of that conversation. But if all of this can go on in Paul's mind, and it did go on in Paul's mind, because no less than three times in Paul's epistles does he bring up the death of Stephen. It's something that haunted him. It was a part of the goads that he was kicking against. I shouldn't feel pleasure now that he's dead. And I have this grind in my heart that something's not right with what I just did. Isn't it hard for you to kick against the goads, Paul? And so, what do you want me to do? And then he gives a life call to Saul. And Saul never began, he was never the same. He turned into Paul, right? He changed his name to Paul. And, and so, so Paul says, "I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly jealous for the traditions of my fathers. Why? Because I wanted the Messiah to come. I wanted the I wanted to be the one that induced the Messiah to come down upon this face of this earth. I wanted to be the one that God would look at and go perfection." But I couldn't get to it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I could never attain that. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through His grace to reveal His Son in me, when did He reveal His Son in Him? On the road to Damascus. To reveal His Son in me that I might preach Him among the Gentiles. I didn't immediately confer with flesh and blood. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. I didn't go up to see Peter, James, and John. I didn't go and see those guys. But I went into Arabia. And I returned again to Damascus. And then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter. And I remained with him for 15 days, a couple weeks. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you indeed before God, I don't lie. You know that. Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. And I was unknown by the face, by face to the churches of Judea, which are in Christ. But they, here's the thing, they were hearing only. He, Saul, me, who formerly persecuted us, now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy and they glorified God in me. Next week we're going to get into then after 14 years. But here's the thing. Paul will talk about the beginning of his ministry as he goes on, but here's the thing. Paul's saying, this is who I was. This is what I was doing. This is the reason I was doing it. But I found myself lacking and God changed me and he showed me that it is none of those other things. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's the gospel, man. Don't you ever turn away from that. And I'm saying that to us in here as Paul was saying it to the churches in Galatia. I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him, Jesus Christ, who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Which isn't another. It's not another gospel. It's not another good news. It's horrible. And it's false. And it's blasphemous. Gang, keep the main thing the main thing. Let us be used by Jesus. Amen? I mean, let's let's let our light so shine before the world around us that the world living in darkness would see our light and glorify our Father, which is in heaven. That's our that's our goal, guys. That's our game. That's, that's the purpose of our life is to bring glory to God, and it's to live for Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't mean I'm not, I'm not asking. Did you once ask Jesus Christ into your heart? I'm asking. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you have a relationship? You go. I don't know what that means. Well, I don't know, think of any other relationship you have in your life that you love. You have a spouse, you have a a son, you have a daughter, you have a mom, a dad, whatever. If you treated them, if you had a relationship with them the way that you have a relationship with Christ, how good would your relationship be? I leave you with that. Deal with it. Challenge. Be challenged today. I'm not leaving you here hopefully hurt or banged up or anything. I want, you, I want you to experience everything that God has for you. This world is creeping into the church. It is so not just creeping in. This thing has flooded into the church. Gang, we've got to be on our toes. We have got to know the Word of God. We've got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and Him crucified in this day and age. And we've got to show the world what a true light looks like. Let's go for it. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you, Lord, for men like Paul that you changed their life from one way to another. Thank you for showing guys like Paul, Saul, who thought he, he was righteous, thought he was doing it right, only to find that he was so very wrong. Lord, may you interact with us and touch our lives in such a manner. May you reveal to any of us who are hearing this message right now that if there's anything in our life that is not right with you, God, that you'd reveal it to us. And then when you reveal it to us, would you then help us to change it? So that our lives would be more in conformity with who it is that you want us to be, because God, that's that's the only it's the only life worth living. Not to be accepted by this world, but, but to be accepted by you. Not to live for this world, but to live for you. Not to long for the things that this world has to offer, but to long for what you have to offer. You, our are our, our goal. You are our goal. May our relationship from this day forward flourish with you. And now use us, Lord. I challenge my brothers and sisters. I challenge myself. I challenge us who are listening to this to go into the world and do exactly what Jesus called us to do, spread the good news. Because it is great news. I don't know what great news would mean in the Bible, but It would be gospel to the nth power. It's great news that you've provided us salvation. Help us, Lord, to go into the world. Use us. Touch the world around us. God, may our life count. We love you so much. We thank you, God, for touching our lives and even challenging us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.